0: So what we decided to do for our 100th episode was kind of a compilation of some of our favorite episodes. And so the grand plan when we started discussing about this was we were going to pick our 10 favorites (laughs) and count them down.
1: That's really a challenging, the way we should not have even thought that. Because as soon as we got into the archives, it was it was overwhelming. Too many, too many good episodes.
0: Yeah, there was no way this was going to happen. It's like picking your favorite child. Um, <laughs> it's just impossible. This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 100 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so happy you are joining me here today. And yes, I said episode 100. It is so amazing to think that we have been doing this podcast for this long. We are closing in on 2 million downloads of the Your Morning Basket podcast, and we just could not be happier that so many listeners have found out and learned about morning time and morning baskets from what we do. And since this is episode 100, yes, it is a compilation episode. I'm joined today by the community manager over at Your Morning Basket, Dawn Garrett. And she is a common visitor here on the podcast, and she is joining me to talk about some of our very favorite episodes. This was so hard. To do, It was so hard to kind of hone in on our very favorites and the more we looked at all of the different episodes that we had done in the past, the harder and harder it was. Um, It was a wonderful, wonderful walk for us down memory lane, and we hope so much for you too. Now, before we begin, if you would like some help with your own morning basket, we have for you our very own month of morning time morning basket plans. If you come to pambarnhill.com slash month, you can download a month of plans that will help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day with music, poetry, nature study, art, great books, and more. You don't have to choose the things you're going to do. We have done all of the hard work and planning for you. That's at pambarnhill.com forward slash month. And now on with the podcast. everyone. And today I am joined by my very good friend and the community manager at Your Morning Basket. And we are going to be talking all about our favorite podcast is Don Garrett. Don Garrett, welcome to the program. I feel like Kermit D. Frog <laughs> <laughs> well, welcoming you. I'm
1: excited to be here, but I'm especially excited for the reason I'm here today, which is to celebrate that you have done a hundred of these episodes, plus some special episodes. So
0: I know, right? <laughs> it's
1: so exciting.
0: So it congratulations. Is exciting. Thank you. Yeah. When, I, that's right. Like I've been on every single episode. You have. <laughs> I need like a medal or something. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I hadn't even thought about that to this point, that having a hundredth episode means, you know, that we've actually done a hundred episodes and I've been on all of them. So that's really cool.
1: It is. It is. So this is really a celebration of the work that you have been doing to support homeschoolers and help them to succeed with morning time over the last six, seven years.
0: Yeah, yeah so. about six years, yeah so oh that's really cool well, thank you for thank you for reminding me about that. and you know, as we get started today and we start talking about all of these wonderful episodes, uh and maybe this would be better left for the end, but I've started, so I'm gonna go finish now <laughs> like there really is a team behind this. It's not just me who's doing it. We've had some fabulous uh podcast producers over the year wow. we've actually had two our current one is Jeanette Pascua, uh, who's a homeschooling mom oh gosh six a homeschooling mom of six oh five I or six know. Jeanette we apologize um, a bunch
1: of kids but she does an amazing job
0: she does and then prior to Jeanette uh, Mary Ryder mm-hmm. was our podcast producer um, and then they uh, she actually was local to me and just uh, fabulous and Then they ended up moving and everything. She had a new baby. And so that was when we brought Jeanette on. So, yeah, uh, them and then we have uh, another assistant, Dorella, who does our show notes. And and then you're in on this and me. And, yeah, it's – And we have –
1: just K- Katie helps out with some of the graphics. Katie yes. helps
0: out with some of the graphics. So yeah, it really is a team effort. When people say, how do you do all of this? I think the biggest thing to know is I don't. I have a lot of help uh, when it comes. And these are all moms who, are pa- who like do morning time. Well, with the exception of Dorella, who was a college student that uh, do morning time and are passionate about morning time. And so I think it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. We're all excited about helping moms succeed. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what we decided to do for our 100th episode was kind of a compilation of some of our favorite episodes. And so the grand plan when we started discussing about this was we were going to pick our 10 favorites
1: (laughs) and count them down. That's really a challenging, the way we should not have even thought that. Because as soon as we got into the archives, it was... It was overwhelming. Too many, too many good episodes.
0: Yeah, there was no way this was going to happen. It's like picking your favorite child. Um, <laughs> it's just impossible. Um, so yeah, what we punted, uh, Don and I are both football fans. And so we're just going to use our football analogy and say we punted and we came up with a different plan. So we kind of have representative podcasts for 10 different categories. <laughs> of shows. Um, The the
1: categories are kind of broad in and of themselves. Most of them
0: are. Yeah. 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 So um, and then we cheated because for some categories, we just picked more than one favorite.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So what we really have
0: are about 40 of our favorite episodes. (laughs) And I tell you, like we had to, we figured out at the last minute today, guys, right before we started recording that we actually had to like give you the legit name of these episodes. We couldn't just say, oh, you know, the Angelina Stanford episode or the Chris Perrin episode. We actually had to go find the legit name. And when we were, when I was scrolling through looking at the names, I was like, oh, we didn't even mention that one. Oh, (laughs) I made a big list of, of
1: them. And I was like, Oh, but in this category, we could have this and this and this and this and this. And Pam was like, "We have to keep this to a reasonable amount of time." So we, so know that there are many others that we would be happy to mention and um, to share about and talk about because they've been influential in our own homeschools. Oh yeah, but we had to limit it because we value your time too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we, you know, like we asked the community as well, like which ones were your favorites and they came up with some that were totally different than ours. And so (laughs) we had to make room for those too. So without further ado at the, you know, at the, uh, trying to keep this in that reasonable amount of time, let's go ahead and get started. And I'm going to say the very first category was, is probably the one where we cheat the most.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. But it's a good, it's a good cheat because it's just, such a foundation for the whole podcast and for everything that comes out of it. Um, it's just completely like that solid rock, foundational. Those ideas that we just build on, that you you have built on for the last
0: ninety number of years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and it's hard to figure because you know your morning basket was on hiatus for a year, and so it's hard to figure out exactly how many years we've been doing this. But. Right our very first favorite episode <laughs> is actually the first four episodes of the podcast so we are grouping episodes 1 through 4 together and we feel like we can get away with this because they are that foundation that don was talking about so if you have ever uh, taken a peek at my book better together what i did with better together was try to distill down what were some of the foundational things about morning time. And if you've ever picked up my book, Better Together, what I tried to do in there was distill a lot of the things that happen in morning time down into kind of four really broad categories. And so what we did when we started the podcast, and at this point, I can't remember what came first, if it was the podcast or the book, I think it was the podcast, but we had already kind of um tapped into this idea that there were some foundational things to a morning time or a morning basket. And so what we did is we talked about those things. So we talk about kind of in the first episode, what is a morning time? And then we broke out the three R's that we talk about even more so later on. So things like uh, recitation, which is memory work, Mm -hmm. ritual, and reading aloud. And so that's what the first four episodes of the podcast are about. So if you've never listened to those first four episodes, I was a newer podcaster. You always hate to go back and listen to yourself. But the content there and the guests there are absolutely so great. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to kind of play a little montage of those first four episodes. And when I chose these snippets, I really went for I went for great snippets, but I also went for brevity. So we're going to listen to them one right after the other and then uh, give you a few insights. But yeah, these these were so good.
1: It's better to do a little bit than, you know, have a big grand plan and then not do it. That's why I hate to see moms start with a full-blown morning time because they can quickly feel overwhelmed before they, they see any benefit of it. And then they quit.
3: So that's not a good idea.
2: But the fifth canon, I think it's the neglected one today, and that is memory. The ancients would talk about furnishing the mind with memory. Isn't that a lovely expression, furnishing the mind? Mm -hmm. Very much so. And we think about, you know, you could buy a lovely house, but if it's empty, what use really is it? You know, sleep on the floor. But once you furnish the home with beautiful and useful things, then it really becomes... Of great value. So I wish we could have many people kind of understanding that memorization is furnishing the mind.
1: The year that I added in Swallows and Amazons, what I learned was that just taking time for that joy of, you know, enjoying a story together and getting really into it, it was so valuable. And it was, it really, I think, changed the mood about our school day. Not that it was horrible before, but I mean, they were just super excited on the day that we were reading Swallows and Amazons. And so I think I learned that it is worth it, or especially if you are having a hard time in morning time, to add in a book that is, I mean, you can still discuss it and everything. I mean, but just to add in something that's kind of for sheer joy.
4: So of course it's hard and not easy. Because you're already a liturgical creature, you've just been patterned after different liturgies, and you cannot change easily. That's why the great educators of the past said it's so important to help cultivate virtues in children when they're young, when you can help cement them so that they could become lifelong practices that become, as it were, second nature. Plato says that we should engage, expose children to things that are true, good, and beautiful such that they have a taste for that which is true, good, and beautiful, even before they're reasoning about it very much, even before they're analyzing it, they're learning to kind of love the things that are lovely before they've even given it a lot of analytical thought,
0: okay, I mean, like that right there <laughs> <laughs> i forget-
1: I forget how good those episodes were, I think sometimes because they those were the ones that hooked me, yeah. I, you know, I, I wasn't working for you yet. I was barely listening to any podcasts at all. Those were the episodes that hooked me into listening to these things because they were the
0: ideas that I needed for my school day. So. And- Such wisdom there, such wisdom. I mean, just from that down-to-earth practical wisdom of Cindy Rollins, who, you know, at at the time of that interview, had been doing morning time in her home for 28-some-odd years. Mm -hmm. And then moving into those three episodes about memorization, uh, well, we call it recitation, Recitation. the three R's, reading aloud, and Brandy talking about uh, just... The way Andrew described recitation is the furnishing the mind, reading aloud is bringing joy, and then Chris Perrin coming in and talking about ritual and us being liturgical creatures anyway, and kind of working on those rituals when the kids are young to shape them and form them. I mean, this is the heart of what Morning Time is all about.
1: It really is. And those are some really spectacular guests who have been on the podcast more than once, all of them.
0: I think every single one of them. Yeah, we're about to get. Uh, well, yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think now. Did we? We just had Andrew again because yes. we record these out of order sometimes. <laughs> and I tend to record a lot in the summer um, so that I can be ready for uh, when I'm having to homeschool my own kids. I'm not recording as much. So yes, we we have all of those people have been on the podcast more than one time. So. So definitely go look for the first four. Those are very much foundational. And if you've ever looked at any of those titles and thought, eh, maybe not. No, 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 no. You
5: really want to listen to
1: them. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And so those titles are What is Morning Time? And that's episode one. Episode two, Furnishing the Mind episode 3 reading in morning time and episode 4 choosing what is best which is maybe not as intuitive as thinking about liturgy and ritual but it really does focus on that that habit building that lifestyle that routine that that we are liturgical creatures we are um that that using ritual really does aid us in all that we do but morning time in particular
0: yeah yeah Okay. So that was number one. <laughs> uh, let's go on and talk about the next one. And I'm going to have to say that for the longest time, if somebody had asked me, what's your favorite episode? I would have told them like, and it's it's so hard. <laughs> I would have said, oh, number 10. And yes, it is number 10, all about narration, a conversation with Sonia Schaefer. And first of all, I love Sonia. Um, I yeah. think she's just uh, such a wealth of knowledge and so approachable and relatable. And for me, one of the great gifts that she has is the way she can lay things out and explain things in a way that makes them so doable.
1: I agree. I I mean, I don't know her like you know her, but I have like, I've heard her at GHC in the past or other conventions. I've I've watched her video series about Charlotte Mason, so helpful. But this particular episode about narration, I recommend it all the time in Facebook groups and such. So it's it, it was one that really helped me when I switched to a Charlotte
0: Mason style of homeschooling. Okay, so let's listen to uh, the little snippet for this one.
2: Now, Charlotte said that each child's narration, it will be a reflection of their personality They add little delightful touches in there. And so if you know that it's just something fun that the child wants to do because she's enjoying interacting with the book and that she doesn't really think that Hannibal took cupcakes with him over the Alps, you know, (laughs) then I would let it go. And I would laugh, too.
6: Part of the
2: looking her in the eye and encouraging her, it would be like a a little joke that we shared between us. I have one daughter who did that, too, and it was just so much fun because she would get a little twinkle in her eye and she would throw some, you know, Star Wars character into her narration just for fun. And I knew that she knew it was just for fun, that it wasn't really part of the story. And so I chalked that up to her personality and letting her interact with the material for herself. You know, you have to know your child.
0: Okay, so... There were like, we could have chosen, I could have chosen to replay this whole episode, (laughs) but I very specifically chose that part because I think a lot of times we get the idea, Don Garrett, close your ears, that Charlotte Mason educators are a little stuffy and a little stodgy. (laughs) I know, right? I know. I've seen, I've seen Don Garrett's uh, family movie night posts. And so I know that they're not, but just to have this lady who's just like, so much so Charlotte Mason and living books and, uh, and all of this stuff talking about her daughter throwing in a star Wars character. I think it makes it relatable for people to listen to. And it answers one of those questions that comes up is what do you do with a difficult kid? Who's not exactly playing along during narration. And, and Sonia acknowledges that it happens and what, of course it (laughs) happens, (laughs) But we get we get these kind of Victorian ideas wrapped up in uh, Charlotte Mason, and it's uh, it, all of these Charlotte Mason practices, of which narration is largely one, and that you know it's like this little house on the prairie. You have the perfect little kids who are going to do things perfectly, and th- that's not really how it is. And so, I really wanted to show that very human kind of non-Victorian side of. <laughs> Even in Sonya Schaefer's house, they talk about Star Wars characters.
1: Well, and I don't want to go off too far on a rabbit trail, but if education is a science of relations, as Miss Mason says, narration is that that relationship between the narrator and the narratee is really a huge part of it. And um, it's how we get to know our children. And so even if you don't use narration for... Much of your homeschool, it is a great tool to have in your back pocket to build those relationships during morning time with your kids.
0: Yeah. And the way to learn how to do that, um, one of the ways, there are some other good ones out there, but one of the ways is to go listen to episode 10. Now, Mm -hmm. another, speaking of Charlotte Mason uh, and fabulous ladies, another woman that we had on the the show one time who was also a Charlotte Mason educator um, is Sheila Carroll. And uh, she was on episode 36 and you particularly love this episode. I loved it too. I loved interviewing her, but tell us what you like about it, Dawn. Well, I loved this because
1: she talked so much about storytelling and how important it is to you just tell stories to your children and not even be reading them. But one of the things she talks about, and the reason that I wanted to put it with Sonia is um, that she also talks about building those narration skills by using Aesop's fables, which are the perfect length of time to throw into morning time. And by reading a fable, having your kid na- narrate it, they're a perfect amount to learn a- the skill of narration, to begin that skill. And it just works so beautifully. But I-, I did love that Sheila Carroll episode. for She talked about so many things about Charlotte Mason education in Africa and yes. what they're doing to build a curriculum for, for people around the world. And uh, it was a great episode, so many different facets, but I wanted to put it here with Sonia Schaefer, particularly because of the narration piece.
0: Yeah. And so that's episode 36 invitation to imagine with Sheila Mm -hmm. Carroll. And if you love the idea of being a storyteller and telling stories to your kids, that Mm -hmm. is a really fabulous one uh, Mm -hmm. to check out. And she talks about getting started simply as well. Mm
1: I went to see her at a
0: convention too, and she was great in person. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so we're moving on to category number three, and this might be one of my favorite categories um, because uh, we make no bones about the fact that we are really second generation morning timers. (laughs) For sure. Sure. For sure. We are standing on the shoulders of the giants who came before us. And so we wanted to have a category that really acknowledges those homeschool moms, those ladies that we feel like we're kind of the forerunners to what we're doing. And and when you talk to people about morning time, a lot of times you'll have people who say, well, I've been doing this in my home for a long time, and I didn't know that it had a name. I didn't know what to Mm -hmm. call it. Or you'll have somebody who says, "Well," I started reading Cindy Rollins 30 Days to Morning Time, or mm-hmm. I started reading um Kendra Fletcher's Circle Time book, or I started reading um Jennifer McIntosh's morning basket post over at her blog Wildflower and Marbles. And so those are the kinds of things we hear, and and it just goes to show how you know somebody else has come before us and paved the way. So it was so hard to choose a representative episode. <laughs> for this.
1: But because all those ladies are amazing and have aided both of us and thousands of others on their journey. So yeah,
0: and have, have been on the podcast multiple times. Yeah. And so um, I, I did pick out this one. Um, it your morning basket number 39 building relationships with circle time. And this one was with Kendra Fletcher. And let me just play the snippet. And then we'll talk about some of the other episodes.
6: Yeah, I, that is, I'm glad you pointed that out because this is that time where it's all us together. And so I'm part of that. And I wanted them to remember me as part of that and not me as correcting math or teaching a boring lesson, you know, or something that they were like, Oh, we got to, we got to sludge through this grammar lesson. I wanted it to be something that we were all sort of ignited over, you know, something that was exciting to most of us, at least. And, you know, this is where I think. Mom's interests can really play in as well. If there was just something I want my kids to learn, this is the time I'll do it. And so I've introduced them to music I love, or, you know, sports that I love, or, you know, whatever those things are. What is it, mom, that you really love? And I think in particular, as homeschooling moms, we can put what we love aside, but think about those things that really light a fire for you or get you excited. Circle time is the perfect time to teach your kids what it is that you love as well.
0: Okay. I just love that.
6: (laughs) I
1: I think this was one that I immediately, when I listened to it, because I never get to hear these podcasts until they come out to everybody. And I remember, I remember I was sitting in the parking lot at Goodwill and I finished listening to this episode and I immediately voxed Pam and said, that was amazing. So this, this one, I just thought it was such an encouragement and such a, it was just like a warm blanket and cup of tea for my mom's soul. And I needed that. Um, and I just, I, the Kendra Fletcher one was so
0: good. Yeah, I think so too. And so we've, now we've mentioned... Jennifer McIntosh. She's oh, been on yes. the podcast a couple times. Mm-hmm. Her first one being episode number six, yes. which was all about building a book list. If anybody knows about building a book list, it's definitely Jen McIntosh. Mm-hmm. And then we've also talked about Cindy and uh, she was on episode one. So we've played a snippet of her already, but she's actually been on the podcast one, two, three, four more times. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Cindy. Yeah. And I, maybe, uh, Yeah, Remembrance and Grammar is another. Number 65 Mm -hmm. is another great one to point Mm -hmm. her towards. But then number 97, which we just had. Yes, that one was really, really good.
1: She keeps pointing out the importance of singing in Morning Time. And that, that has been an encouragement to me because... I've said it on the podcast before. I'm pretty sure I don't sing particularly well, but we still sing every day. And it's it's an encouragement that Cindy says she also doesn't sing very well, but they still sang every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then somebody I want to be absolutely sure to mention, uh, we would be so remiss if we didn't mention her, is Don Garrett's own Morning Time mentor, uh, Heather Tully. So tell us a little bit about Heather. Uh, Heather
1: mom of 10 kids when she, she used to live in my town and go to my church and I had new babies and she had preschoolers and she invited me into her house and invited me to watch her morning time and participate in her morning time with her. And, um, now she has way more kids, but she still
0: does morning time. And, um, yeah, just that openness, just that openness to invite other people in and have them come in and watch and come in and, Observe and see. There's a little bit of scariness there, but just allowing people to do that so they can see what it would look like in their home, I think is fabulous. And so she was on episode number 56, which was a morning time mentor, where we talked all about how she did that with Dawn. But then also she came back with a little workshop on episode 88, where she talked about that question that we get so often, which is how do you do a morning time with many different ages? And so that one is just so helpful. One of the things we haven't mentioned about Heather is what a beautiful photographer she is. And so that episode 88 actually includes um, so many photographs from Heather's own morning time uh, that she's taken herself and that uh, a a photographer friend of hers has taken. So we can actually get a glimpse of what it looks like in her home.
1: Okay, so our fourth category is one where we have or Pam has talked about a lot of people with different demographics in their home, different combinations of teens and singletons and all boys. And how do you, how do you manage those things? So we both really loved the Heather Woody episode where she talked about how she approaches morning time with her teens
0: yeah, and I think one of the reasons why you love this one so much, Don, was because you get the question so often and now you have. <laughs> Something That's definitive. probably true. That's so, probably true. I, and and Heather is an absolutely wonderful uh, guest, and so knowledgeable mm-hmm. on this area. Now you know her youngest is thirteen or fourteen. They've been doing morning time for years and years in their home, and uh, it's something she really leaned into and did not give up as her kids mm-hmm. got older. Um, but it did look different. So let's uh, let's listen to this snippet from Heather.
7: So one thing I would say about content is that you should really tailor it to who your kids are and where they are and and what they're doing. And morning time is a great time to insert things as a homeschool mom that they might not ordinarily see any other time. But I like to encourage people to not worry so much about what others are doing in their morning time and really concentrate on what's right for you and your family. So I know Pam, that you have lots of plans for people who want that and, and want to incorporate that. But I, I don't like moms to feel badly cause well, we didn't do Shakespeare or we didn't read something that maybe should be read during morning time. And really just think of it as an opportunity to introduce things that they wouldn't ordinarily get. And by the time they get to be teenagers, their schedules will be pretty heavy with other things. So I kind of like to use morning time as a time of connection and relationship and not worry as much about content.
6: I have yeah. teenagers these days. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, how often do
0: you hear somebody say, well, let's don't worry quite so much about the content. What's really important is the relationship. But, you know, there, there's so much truth to that. Uh, especially when it comes to teenagers is let's take the time to focus on those relationships and let the content be secondary to mm-hmm. um to building those relationships mm-hmm. so and and the
1: amount of work that high schoolers suddenly have is is kind of astounding,
0: yeah, yeah, it really is so yeah, that was such a fabulous episode. The whole episode is just full of of wonderful truths like that. But then we also had uh, morning time and the only child. How often do Mm -hmm. we get this question?
1: All the time. Lots of people. Why would I even do morning? What does morning time look different when I have only one child? Why would I do this just with one kid? And how? how Yeah. 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 All those questions.
0: Your Morning Basket number 47 with Mm -hmm. um, our good friend Tina Roman. Uh, She has an only child. And so she talks about how she did morning time. And then what does it look like when, you know, it's just a bunch of wiggly boys. And Uh so your Morning Basket 28 with Kathy White's um, was also a really good one where we covered kind of that look and feel. What is it like when you just have boys as well?
1: Yeah. Those demographical issues, they can be very broad and appeal to a lot of people because even though I don't have only boys, that episode about having all boys in your morning time helped me understand my one boy better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I think that that's certainly the thing. I mean, I highly recommend that you listen to all the episodes. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and So, you know, you, there are good things to be had from an episode, even if it doesn't exactly, quote unquote, fit your family perfectly. For sure. For yeah. sure. So the next one was actually a fan favorite when we asked mm-hmm. in our community. And so Dawn and I were getting ready to feature this one. And we were like, what are the commonalities around this one? So we could pull in a few other episodes. And I think we came up with a pretty good category. I uh, our, yeah, our next category is uh, liturgical living. And so we're gonna start off with one that mom said they absolutely love. Um using the liturgical year as a guide. And this was a conversation with Andrea Kirk Asaf. Um, and I'm probably pronouncing Andrea's name wrong and she can just reach out to me and let me know that I did. I put the emphasis on the wrong part. Uh, but this was fascinating because Andrea at the time was splitting. Uh, she lived part of the year in Italy and part of the year in the United States. And they she really used her morning basket times during the day, because she had more than one time, um, as a way to feature the liturgical year in her home and, and really lean into living that with her kids. And then not only the church year, but also the seasons as well. Mm -hmm. Andrea felt really strongly that, you know, spring should be spring. Summer should be summer. Fall should be fall and winter should be winter. And we lose something when we start moving away from the agrarian lifestyles that, uh, that kind of, our forefathers had. So it was really fascinating conversation.
1: Yeah, the natural world year and the liturgical year often go hand in hand, too. So keeping them together makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I think one of the reasons why this episode is so well loved is just all of the different practical tidbits uh, Mm -hmm. that Andrea shares in here. And so let's play one right now
3: one of the things that inspired me was the medieval practice of the Book of Hours, which are personalized, customized books, prayer books to mark the hours of the day. And so what I decided to do because I have such a hard time getting the kids all gathered together because they have their own interests. They could probably educate themselves without me, but I wanted to be involved too. So um, what I do is I bring them together for mealtimes and I peg everything to those mealtimes. So first we have a, a prayer associated with that particular hour. So for the morning, it'd be the morning offering and then breakfast and calendar class at noon. We will pray the Angelus and, Uh, then have lunch and the read aloud. At three o'clock, we will have our snack time. So we pray the divine mercy prayer. um, And then we have tea time arts appreciation. That just means we have a snack and maybe I'll put it in uh, the drink in a teacup and we'll do something from our basket of uh, arts appreciation material. Um, And then at six o'clock, we have uh, uh, the gratitude grace, where we go around the table, we talk about something we're grateful for that day, and we say our prayer. Um, and then in the evening, we finish off the day with family heart ritual.
0: Okay, so you can see how practical that is. And this actually reminds me of another episode that we had on the podcast. Um, and did you pull the number for that one? <laughs> I didn't, but I can. Um and one of the things I think that you know moms just love this because there's so much practicalness to it but there's also this flexibility that she's showing mm-hmm. is that look you know my kids have their own interests it's really hard to get them together and so she's used this concept of pegging or habit stacking to start build these little times in her day and you know They take what we would see as a single morning time and really spread it out and peg it to all these different little daily rhythms of prayer. And and then they put the music appreciation here. And then they put the, the art appreciation here. And it really reminds me of Haley Beck's episode. Haley Beck,
1: episode 34. And the title of that one is A More Organic Morning Time. I loved Haley's episode too, because it really showed kind of like that Inspiration and exhalation that together and apart and where you, it it just was a very natural kind of almost a breathing. Breathe in from morning time, exhale during your lessons, breathe back in during the next morning time, exhale. That's kind of how I always thought about it. And I loved that. It also kind of reminds me of Misty and her morning time variation in episode 46. I was
0: just thinking that. <laughs> I was like, maybe we chose the wrong category. We might, have.
1: <laughs> we might have, although the liturgical stuff is, I mean, so those kind of variations within a day are a fitting match, but also like the liturgical is those kind of variations throughout the year, right? yeah.
0: yeah. So, so it all, it all equals variations. We, we still have a theme going on here. (laughs) Um, so while you're finding Misty's episode, and we'll talk about that in just a second, some more of our kind of liturgical episodes, we had, uh, episode number 67, which was all about Lent, and we had Lenten practices for everyone, and the great thing about that episode was we had a Catholic and non-Catholic perspective for Lent, and then uh, we have two specific episodes about Advent. We have Why Advent, which was a conversation with Tish Oxenrider about her Advent book, and then we had our very own Jenny Shaw on. Jenny works with, the, works with us here um, at Your Morning Basket. She writes our Catholic morning time plan, She has a beautiful voice, does some of our music things, and she had a whole episode, episode 84, about Advent carols, which a lot of people love. And then also Dawn and I did a special episode a few years ago about all about Christmas and how you could bring... uh, Christmas into your morning time practice. Mm -hmm. So those were our liturgical episodes. And then this other episode with Misty,
1: which one was that, Dawn? It was episode 46, and it's called A Morning Time Variation.
0: Yeah, so in that episode, uh, Misty actually has neighbors over. Uh, Gosh, I can't remember if it was once or twice a week. And they would actually kind of do morning time with their neighbors. They called it elementary school. Mm-hmm. Is that elementary, elementary lessons? Lessons. Mm-hmm. lessons. And they would do it like in the afternoon. And she mm-hmm. did it with a, a a family in her neighborhood that also homeschools. They're really close friends. Mm-hmm. And the other mom would take all the little kids to her house. And then Misty was able to bring those elementary school age kids into her home for basically essentially what ended up b- being a morning time. Right. Yeah. So I love how this highlights the
1: different ways that you can approach morning time use it in your homeschool and and have it bless your family and and even others isn't that like all of our dreams to have somebody who takes all of the preschoolers to their house and reads them books and gives them snacks while we teach like the elementary lessons stuff i i yeah. just love that
0: Yeah, yeah, or the high school lesson stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Yes, that's really what I want. (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of little kids, uh, I'm going to ask you this next one, this next category. Do you think this next podcast we're going to talk about is the one you maybe have sent out the most?
1: Oh, for absolute sure, because. Everybody wants to know what to do with their preschoolers when they're just getting started. How do you do morning time? The preschoolers are running all over the place. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're, they're distracting. Uh, yes, I absolutely send this episode with Celeste Cruz, who is just one of the wisest mamas I know to people all the time several times a week, I'd say, especially <laughs> in the summer, um, right before school's about to start.
0: Yeah, so this is episode number 15, and it's called Morning Time with Littles, a conversation with Celeste Cruz. And oh, goodness, I've lost count of how many uh, little ones Celeste has welcomed into her home. They we might be at 10. 10 yeah, 10, maybe. Um, and there was a point where I think she says in the podcast, she had like, I don't know, five, six kids who were eight and under. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was the perfect one to talk about what morning time looks like when you have a bunch of little kids. So let's listen to what Celeste had to say.
4: I thought after I got my basket together that I would, you know, plan certain days of the week would be certain readings. And I found that that just didn't work for me at all. I mean, with all the babies also, if I had only had the five-year-olds, you know, maybe that I could have held to that sort of a plan, but most of us that have five-year-olds don't just have (laughs) five-year-olds. There's usually one or two or more, you know, younger. You've got the five-year-old and you've got the three-year-old and maybe you've got the baby or whatever. So I like to keep it a little bit more flexible. So flexibility, definitely. Requiring that they sit still after, you know, trying to stretch it a little farther. I mean, I would do that once in a while and I just would find that we weren't enjoying it as much. And since that was kind of the goal, it seemed counterproductive to. Require that. So yeah, we especially with the toddlers, I sort of got in a habit where if the big kids wanted, you know, the five year olds wanted to keep listening, I would have the toddler head on down and start getting ready to go outside. So they'd be pulling out their boots and you know getting their jacket and this and that. It just extended a little bit, not require that they sit in their seat. And so that was definitely going in with the expectation of not forcing them to sit there because I've done that a few times and it doesn't really help.
1: That's my favorite part. Yeah, such they, good
0: advice.
1: <laughs> yeah, where they go when they get their, I, I always thought it was crocs. Maybe that's at a different point where they go and they pull on their crocs and they go play in the fence backyard. And I love that.
0: Yeah, yeah and and she's she's talking about this kind of uh give and take there where even when your oldest is just five you know a lot of times we will have somebody say well I have an 11 year old or a 12 year old and then I've got this two-year-old and what do I do and you know even when your oldest is just five and you've got these little kids it's like let that two-year-old go ahead and wonder so you can stretch it a little bit for that five-year-old um because the five-year-old's still wanting to listen so anytime you have that situation where you have those older kids who are still engaged and still wanting to listen and you have a safe way to let that two-year-old just kind of wander on out um, and not force them to be there, it's completely okay. Even though we say morning time's for everyone, you know, there's only so much that the two-year-old can take. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: I love this category of doing morning time with young children. Because I do think it, if you have that opportunity to start with your small children, it is a blessing for the long haul. Um, yeah. And uh, so Celeste, she just that that episode just kind of exudes her wisdom, and she shares so many helpful things, especially when you're just starting off with very small children. I think she, at one point she talks about. Leaving her kids in their high chairs at the breakfast table, and she's reading them picture books, um, and uh, and that's how they started. Um, but if you're starting with, say, kindergartners, Rebecca Zip's episode is. Just so.
0: Yep. Yep. And so that one was from actually last summer. It was episode 76 and such a good episode. Very popular episode. I think a lot of people see that kindergarten word Mm -hmm. and kind of latch onto it and want to listen to that one. We've noticed probably uh, in the past year or so, one of our most downloaded episodes that we've had. And I'm just so glad that it was Rebecca who came on to do the episode.
1: Yeah, she has just a beautiful way of thinking about how to best serve her kindergartners before they go into a full-time curriculum. So if you're looking for that, definitely make sure you don't miss that episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dawn and I will just go ahead and say it, like morning time is kindergarten. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean that oh, yeah. that's that can really be your kindergarten right there. Is is this really wonderful, rich morning time with those little ones, and and that's just about all you need. So absolutely, yeah. Okay, I think the next category. It's probably my favorite category. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I'm not quite sure. I wasn't quite sure what to name it, but it's like the enthusiastic guest. <laughs> category, or how Pam interacted with the guest category. Um, And so this was one that I really wanted to do. And one of the main reasons that I wanted to do it, uh, we've actually had Professor Carol on the podcast more than once. Mm -hmm. Um, We're actually highlighting her in this particular category, talking about folk music. But um, I just love her. She is such an absolute delight. She is one of my absolute favorite people in the homeschool space. Yes. So, so enthusiastic for what she's talking about. So let's listen really quick and let her talk about folk music. Such an affection for it.
2: Well, and it links the present to the past, doesn't it? Just to use these points. It does. It, it, it's variation. You could have somebody singing it at, a, at some kind of a national festival. You could have a little child singing it, you know, uh, walking through the woods. Every, uh, it, it's, everybody gets to have a folk song. Yeah. Nobody gets to claim, you know, the Juilliard string quartet can claim the Bartok string quartets that they might be able to play the better than anybody else or the Brahms or the, you know, in other words, the classical repertoire is not easy. It's, it requires loads and loads of training. It, it requires hours and hours of rehearsal as well. It should. It's glorious beyond measure. But, you know, a three-year-old can't participate in it. A six-year-old can't clap, you know, walk and walk, walk and march to it. Everybody gets to have folk music.
0: You can't like... She just bubbles over.
2: Her love
1: for her subject is just, I don't know, it just makes infect, infectious. I just want, I want to sing, but I promise you I won't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so that kind of enthusiasm and um, just that infectious sharing of it. It just makes you so happy just to listen to her and that uh, it makes you want to be interested in what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. So just love having her as a guest. Now, I also want to talk about um, Adelaide Olgin, who yeah. is with TalkBox.Mom, and she's very similar to Professional Care. <laughs> <laughs> She is.
1: She was on um, episode number 54, Natural Foreign Language Learning, talking all about learning foreign language in morning time. And that's maybe not as obvious of a thing to put in your morning time, but you've done that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, we totally have. And um, Adelaide just, first of all, she knows her stuff. Like she knows her stuff inside and out, up and down. And she has a way of explaining it and expressing it that just makes you go, oh, wow, I never thought about it like that. But that is absolutely right. (laughs) Right. Um, so that's, that's just one of the things I love about her now, aside from very enthusiastic guests, we've also had a couple of other guests that, um, were just a lot of fun to have on the podcast for various reasons. One of those was episode 18, making math enjoyable, really? And, um, <laughs> on that episode we had Kate Snow and I love to tell this story because I hadn't, about that time, released a blog post called Why You Shouldn't Start Your Homeschool Day with Math. And yes, it was a little bit of an inflammatory headline. It was really kind of to get your attention, to make you go, whoa, wait a second, what is this lady talking about and want to actually read the article? Um, And yes, I have a lot of math lovers who have sent me, I wouldn't say hate mail, but... (laughs) (laughs) you know they admonish me for for having that and and just for the record if your kid loves math i totally think you should start your homeschool day with math but that's kind of the point right, right. that you should be starting your homeschool day with something that you enjoy and um well kate challenged me she found my email mm-hmm. address and she sent me this email and she challenged me and said i want to explain to you why math can be enjoyable and i said you know what why don't you come on the podcast and do it and that and was it's how a,
1: it's a great episode there are so many interesting and beautiful things you can do with math that are outside your math curriculum um and kate t- takes you through the the ideas it's great
0: yeah yeah that was a lot of fun um so definitely just She's a fabulous guest. We've had her actually back in the in the membership a couple of times mm-hmm. to teach classes. She's always a fabulous teacher mm-hmm. to do little morning time activities with the kids in the membership. Um and so such a fun guest. And then what well, uh, and you've become friends with Kate. Kate yes. has come to work
1: in your booth at convention and yep. we've done uh, so many things with her. So yeah. and then
0: we love to refer people to her if they're Mm -hmm. like, how do I, you know, how do I know which math curriculum do I need? How do I know where to get started? You know, do I want mastery? Do I want spiral? What do I want? And uh, a lot of times we'll send people to Kate to read her reviews and she's a great resource. Yeah. Wonderful resource. And then I will say probably one of the most, the most fun episodes for me, um, was I got to interview Carla Zeus. <laughs> I know. I was so, we, we had this idea
1: and we were like, is he going to even answer? And then he did. <laughs> and we were so excited about it. And then, um, Pam interviewed Carl and she came to me and she said, it was such a good episode.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. And she was right. If you're not familiar with Carla Zeus, he actually hosts the CNN 10. It used to be CNN student news and yes. they've changed the name to CNN 10. It's a 10 minute long news uh, show that uh, CNN produces every day. And Carl has been the host for goodness, 10 years or more. I think yeah. we talked about it in the episode. Um, and, his passion is for objectivity in journalism. That's really where his passion lies. And he's, he's so outspoken about it. We talked a lot about that in that particular episode. Um, the name of the episode is Your Morning Basket 82, more than just pun and games. And that's because he ends every episode of CNN 10 with a ton of puns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is- He writes... Yes, that he writes exactly i I was astounded. I was so impressed. yeah, yeah. so he was so much fun to talk to once again, so passionate about what he does mm-hmm. um and uh, so good at what he does, and so that always makes for just a wonderful guest on the podcast. yeah, yeah, yeah. so all right, we're moving on to we're, we're up to uh eight section eight <laughs> <We're>, we can't <laughs> call it episode eight. <laughs> Which yeah. is one
1: of our favorite people, Amy Sloan, who we work with all the time, and um, she's a second generation homeschooler, which we l- we love. Yes. Second generation homeschoolers because they have such a wealth of experience from both sides of the table, right? Um, and Amy talked about memory work from mom's perspective on that episode, and I uh, I was going back and and listening to that a little bit today even, and I just
0: love listening
1: to her and her enthusiasm for what she does for morning time with her kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then such a good perspective for memory work, because we're we're about to talk Mm -hmm. about a few of our other kind of memory work themed episodes, but this one really came from uh, a mom and like, why do I even want to do this? And what does it really look like? So Mm -hmm. let's listen to a snippet from Amy.
8: So maybe not for the reasons why people might think. I, w- I guess first I would say why it wasn't important to me, and that's that I don't see memory work learning these sort of beautiful poems, or we also do historical speeches, original source documents, like excerpts in the Magna Carta, things like that. Um, it was not for the sake of like, crafting virtue in my children. It wasn't that I thought memory work was a magic formula. And if I could just get my kids to memorize a few like really beautiful things that this was going to um, magically give them a good character, Um, I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit for that. (laughs) But at the same time, I do want them to believe what is true and to love what is good and to value and delight in the things that are beautiful. And this was one one additional way I could share those kinds of things with them.
1: I love yeah. how she talks about
0: sharing her favorite things with her kids. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, that like, she's got to rely on the Holy spirit, but she's got to do her part. Mm-hmm. She's bringing her basket. She's doing her part. And yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then this episode was also filled with just practical application of mm-hmm. what memory work Looks like when you have you know five kids and your oldest is fifteen or sixteen and your youngest is you know maybe six or seven and and how can it actually work? Well, and she ta-
1: she makes her memory work a lot more fun. I uh, we don't I don't tend to do that in my home, but I loved hearing how she she makes it really a, an enjoyable experience.
0: Like yeah, for all her kids, yeah, yeah. So a great practical episode, wonderful guest, and Amy has her own podcast that you're going to want to check out. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, I've been on there and that was one of my favorite. um, I've been on there too. Oh, we've both been on there. So we have. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Um, So her podcast, her podcast is Humility and Doxology.
0: uh, Yes. Humility and Doxology. Um, Go over there and be sure to check that out. And we'll add a link to it in the show notes. So. Other memory work episodes, I have to say Dr. Kevin Vost was another favorite. Now, of course, we've already talked about Furnishing the Mind number two with Andrew Pudowa, but Dr. Vost, this actually kind of started a little movement at your morning basket.
1: <laughs> it did. It did. You you do your memory palaces and our,
0: the kids in the community, they eat them up. Yeah, so this was uh, episode twenty four. It was a new slash old look at memory work, and mm-hmm. what Dr. Voss did was he came on and he talked about the ancient practice of memory palaces and how you could use this um, this idea of a memory palace or putting crazy fun zany images into these locations, whether that be a mental location. When we do them in the Your Morning Basket Plus membership, we actually do it using a picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do mental images onto a picture so I can show the kids on the screen. When I do it here at my house, we actually get up and walk around the room and put the mental images in different locations around our house. But it's actually a way that you can memorize big pieces of scripture, poetry, information, whatever. Absolutely. Listen to
1: Dr. Vost. It's a great episode, but Pam has a Morning Time Methods video showing her doing this with Olivia, I think. Right. Yeah, so that yeah. would be a great thing to add to the show notes. Too. Yeah,
0: we can add that one to the show notes as well as that little video. And this has become such a big popular thing in the past couple of years that Sarah McKenzie actually uses this method to memorize her talks now. Oh, <laughs> uh, That's amazing. Yes, so much fun. And so you really can use it for large bits of information. And it was something that uh, I'm like, okay, how do you, you know, I can do it with little bits of poetry, but how do you do it with a talk? And so Um, I've been working on it as well, and it totally works. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, so much fun. Okay, but but let's talk about Shakespeare. Let's talk about Shakespeare because Ken Ludwig
1: wrote his book, How to Teach Children Shakespeare. And in that, he definitely highlights about memorizing parts the of plays, lines from Shakespeare, and he teaches a whole system for how to do it. And he was on the podcast for episode 21, Why Shakespeare? And it's, it's really helpful to understand how you can do Shakespeare during morning time.
0: Yeah, because that is the heart of Ken's teaching program. It's not so much, it's not so much reading large bits of Shakespeare mm-hmm. as it is to as introducing your children to Shakespeare through having them memorize passages. And so um, it's a unique approach to Shakespeare that I think is very approachable for children. And uh, he made a great guest when we were talking about why do that and a little bit of his memorization method. And then we had Misty Winkler on. She actually came first on episode 16. And we uh, we got kind of got the mom's perspective on Shakespeare. Now, uh, Misty has a great technique. It's like a five level technique. It's her Shakespeare lesson plan. And we can mm-hmm. link to that in the show notes because you can go and get access to, to kind of her system and then the different plays that she's done. And a very large portion of what Misty does when she teaches Shakespeare is has the memorized passages as well. That's right. And I've found it to be very true that
1: as we're reading a pl- Shakespeare play, that having a passage memorized, the kids get like all jumpy and excited when we're coming up to that passage that they've been learning. They they know it's coming and they're excited about it. So it's a yeah. great way to do it.
0: Yeah, love that. So so much memory work, Shakespeare, non-Shakespeare, such a big part of what we do. And guys, the kids love it. Um, I just can't, express that, you know, enough that people hear the word memory work and they think, oh, you know, that's work. drill and kill. My kids wouldn't like that. They really do. They, they, they like knowing things. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. All right. So this, the next kind of category we have is the things we do in morning time. And so we are actually highlighting a fairly recent episode that Mm -hmm. Dawn and I just both really loved.
3: Yeah. And I think the same thing is true of poetry. Um, It's an art form like dance and piano and visual art, but it's something that everybody can try. And I think it's good to try, to try on poetic forms, to, you know, to try to write some poetry and the point is not like you're just going to produce this great poetry right off the bat but i think that helps you understand what goes into poetry and i think doing it makes you a better reader and appreciator and it certainly doesn't hurt your writing
1: okay Uh, sally's she just has such a wonderful perspectives being a poet herself the way she uses words even in conversation is really wonderful I would love to sit and have morning time with Sally and write poetry with Sally because I think she, you know she she's so encouraging about it and about that it is I, I love it's an art form that you can learn that you can work on that you can improve in um, and that you can enjoy and love
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we've we've done a number of episodes like this one. I tell you, I loved Sally's episode, uh, not even as much for what we talked about with the poetry, but for so many other reasons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just such a rich episode. It was another
1: one of those, like, really wide-ranging, like we talked about with Sheila Carroll, where she talked about many different things that were, every single one of them, um, from bringing her kids home to de-schooling to this, to that, to that, uh, Sally was wonderful.
0: Yeah, but we're focusing right now on um, what the things that we do in morning time. And so another fabulous and recent episode uh, was Denise Gaskins uh, came on and talked to us about math in morning time. And oh, my gosh, guys, she used the analogy of math as a nature walk. And it was just kind of one of those mind blowing kind of earth shifting episodes. And she really gave us some great concrete examples of games that you could play with your kids in morning time and different ways to approach Mm -hmm. math even outside of morning time that I thought were just a little bit earth shattering.
1: I, yeah, I agree. I was, I was walking the dog and listening to that one. And when I posted it in our community, people were like, this was a great episode. They thought that finding different ways to do math in morning time, so helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then episode 68, our very own Jessica Lawton came on Mm. talking about choosing books for your morning time and how do you choose books. Um, And uh, Jessica writes the morning time plans for Your Morning Basket Plus and the ones that are available on our website. And we get questions all the time about, you know, which books do I need to have in my home? Which books should I get from the library? You know, what are different kinds of books that you want to have? And Jessica did a great job of answering those questions. Um, episode eight with Nicholas Ireland was also a poetry conversation that I thought was fabulous. It was all about starting with wonder. And uh, episode 11 with Cindy West, all about nature study. And then you had a couple you wanted to mention.
1: Well, I I just wanted to say there are so many things that we can and do in morning time. And there are things like Jeffrey Ryder came and talked about catechism in an episode, and we've had Plutarch, and we've had Solfà with my dear friend Heather Bunting, and um, just just the, the the variety is endless. You can put the things that you find most important for your family in morning time, and we've talked about a lot of them on the podcast You've talked about a lot of them on the podcast
0: over the years, <laughs> and we have more coming out this fall. So you know, it's uh, these these don't end. These kind of what I call the little bread and butter episodes about all the different things that you can do at morning time, and we bring them back and talk about them again and again because we get different perspectives, and I think it's really helpful to get uh, different perspectives on all the the different activities.
1: Yeah. So I I just wanted to emphasize the fact that we have this catalog and we've talked about a number of them, but there's still so much more to dive into
0: and to find so much more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're finally on to our 10th category and it only has two episodes. In it. <laughs> and it only has one guest in it. <laughs> it only has one guest in it. <laughs> so it's so funny that, you know, this is kind of where we end up. This is where we land. But, um, but after the,
1: after the Celeste cruise episode, this is the one that I re- I link to these two episodes daily, it feels like, all the time.
0: Okay, okay. Well, and you know, it's, yeah, because we get, these are some of our most shared um, episodes, some of our most downloaded episodes. We've been putting episodes onto YouTube um, because people have requested it. There is an audience of people who likes to listen to their podcast on YouTube. And so you know what, I have no problem with that. I'll, come <laughs> on, I'll put them wherever you want to listen to them. Um, and so we put them on YouTube. And i just noticed the downloads, just so many downloads of these episodes. So they're definitely not just some of our favorites, but um, a, a lot of other people's favorites as well. And so with no further ado, is <laughs> Angelina Stanford um, and her two episodes, one on fairy tales, why fairy tales are not optional, which was uh, Your Morning Basket 41. And then mm-hmm. we had her back again for Your Morning Basket number 60 to talk about the truth about myth and mythology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as in the homeschool community, we get a lot of questions. Why? Why do we spend some time? on these kinds of stories. And I think Angelina did a fabulous job of answering that. So let me play this snippet for you. This one was from uh, episode 41, why fairy tales are not optional. So there's a lot of uh,
5: spiritual themes that are in fairy tales, too. So it's, So you can talk about, you know, just sort of these like childlike fears and the universal stories that are being told in the fairy tale. But then there's also the whole other realm of the spiritual side of things, you know, one of the things that one of the reasons that I think fairy tales are, are so incredibly important now more than ever is because living in the modern age, we have a tendency to think of what is real as what can be experienced through the senses, right? What I can see and touch and feel and hear and taste. For us, that is what is real. The problem with that then is that when that becomes your definition for what is real, Where does that leave Mm. things like God and justice and mercy and truth and beauty and goodness, right? We have lost touch as moderns with transcendent virtues and transcendent realities. And one of the things I like to say about fairy tales is fairy tales are not just true. They are truer than true. They are realer than real because fairy tales help to remind us of that which is the realest reality, the transcendent, right? Fairy tales help us to remember that there is a mysterious reality behind, what, beyond what we can experience from the senses, right? That there is magic. This is an enchanted universe because God is in the universe, right? And it was a created universe, lovingly created. And there is meaning inherent in everything in the creation. And as moderns, we have lost touch of that so much. I mean, when we get into conversations where people say, well, I don't believe in God because I can't see him well, we have gotten right to the heart of this question, right? Is the only thing that's real that which you can experience with the senses? Or is there a greater reality that transcends the natural world? And that is what fairy tales constantly help us to remember and to stay in touch with is the greater spiritual reality, that which is realer than real. And so inherent in the very pattern of the story themselves is that fairy tales retell the gospel. Every single fairy tale tells the gospel story. They tell a variation of the gospel story. And really, I mean, it's just, it's immeasurable variations. I am constantly confronted with yet a new variation. I get all excited and giddy as I, I see a new aspect of the gospel story unfolding in these fairy tales, but it's deep within the pattern of the fairy tale itself. She yeah. can fit in like a lot of categories.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Things we do in morning time. But she, she is her own, she is her own self. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she is. And just, uh, if you have not listened to that episode, I highly recommend that one. And number 60, the truth about myth. Mm. Yeah. So the enthusiasm is totally there. The knowledge of her, mm. uh, her content is there and just the ability to communicate it in such a way that you you just you see what she's talking about and you see what's going on. And, and she's actually changed hearts and minds about these kinds of stories and mm-hmm. reading them with your kids uh, because of how she how she presents that information. So, yeah, so
1: she's it- she is an incredible teacher, and uh, I'm so thankful that she was able to be on the podcast these couple of times for these episodes because they have really been a boon for the for the whole community.
0: yeah, yeah, so much, so very yeah, just enlightening and so much fun to listen to. I think that's yeah. one of the one of the best things It's just um so much fun to listen to. You just kind of get it's hard to conduct an interview, and the great thing about Angelina is she doesn't really need you to interview her. <laughs> Because you're just sitting over here listening and like taking copious notes and, uh, you know, so it's, it's a good thing. She's kind of, uh, self-driven in that way. You, it, she makes the job as the host really easy for sure. For sure. So, well, I think we have stuffed just about as many episodes into our <laughs> top 10 as we could.
1: It's our 10 categories.
0: Ten <laughs> categories. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, um. Yeah, it has been such a wonderful blessing to me to be able to do this, to host this podcast. And, you know, my thought is whenever I sit down to do one of these podcasts is to stand in place of the listener. You know, that's what I want to do is ask the questions that I think the listener wants to hear. Um, And I certainly have, I have help with writing these questions. I don't do all of these by myself. But then as the conversation unfolds, what new questions come up that I think that I think the listener wants to hear? I don't want anybody to ever walk away and say, well, I wondered this or I wondered that, you know, so if I've done my job well, I've stood in the place of the listener during this. But the gift to me is that I have learned absolutely so much um, and I've been blessed over and over again by getting to do these interviews and and talk to these wonderful guests who quite honestly make up the heart of the, of the podcast. Cause if it were just me, it wouldn't be nearly as good. <laughs> well, but we can all appreciate that.
1: It takes a lot of skill to be able to ask those questions and to know, kind of know your listener well enough to, to ask the questions that they want to have. So on behalf of the homeschool community, I'm so thankful that you have taken this on and that you've done this for the last number of years, this hundred episodes plus, and I'm excited about what's coming next.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got some great episodes. We've already had some really great ones released for this season and some more um, till the end of this season going into uh, when we take our next hiatus in December and then to maybe 200 episodes and beyond. Who knows? But That's right. Yeah, it's so fun. And the team is just awesome. And so we're happy to do it. And we're happy to learn from it and happy to walk right alongside of you doing your morning basket and making a big difference for those kids. So thank you for listening. That's what I yes. want to say.
1: Thank you for listening. And we hope that you have a wonderful morning time and that you have things that you've taken that we've been able to help you
0: with. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed episode 100 just as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. And I hope... That we and you are all around for the next 100 episodes of the Your Morning Basket podcast. In the meantime, if you would like the show notes for this particular episode, you can find them at pambarnhill.com forward slash YMB100. There will have links to all of the other episodes that we reference today. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks for episode 101. I'll be joined by homeschool mom and choral director, bethany stewart bethany and i chatted all about how you can bring choral music and the study of choral music into your homeschool and we talked a little about singing but we're mostly talking about how choral music can enrich our study of history the humanities stories poetry and so much more i think you're really gonna love this episode until then keep seeking truth goodness and beauty in your homeschool day